0: Welcome to the Venture Church podcast. This sermon was taken from the life of the church. For more messages like this, please see our website www.venturechurch.co.za. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, Amen. I uh, was getting ready to come up here, and I realised that my pockets were full of rubbish. <laughs> I had my cards and my Keys, I keys to two cars. I mean, this is not like a preacher brag. This is like, flip. I forgot the keys in my like in my car, and I just, I think often we, when we come to church, we don't realize that we carry stuff. Like when we get here, and so when we come to be lighter and be, yeah, in order to come into His presence, um, there is a sense, and uh, I wrote this down. (laughs) I wrote marinating chickens. Uh, there, there is a sense that, uh, that this morning God has started something in terms of marinade, marination. I <laughs> Don't even know if that's a word.. A <laughs> chicken is notoriously tough unless you marinate it. And unless we marinate in the presence of the Lord, our hearts can end up being becoming tough and end up being not as tender as the Lord would like. And so I'd encourage us to try to create time where we can marinate in the Lord's presence, where we can spend time in Him, absorbing His delicious juices so that we can be tender for the work that He has called us to. A hard-hearted Christian is not what God has called us to and not what God has called us to this year. The world needs us to be soft-hearted. Amen. Amen. So that's me warming up. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. It's our vision verse for the year. This is What we're focusing on, this is what the Lord has spoken to us out of and what we will continue to keep in the forefront of our minds as we live it up, as we look to Him this year. Colossians 3 verse 1 to 4, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. What an incredible scripture. Such a a good scripture for the year. Paul here is writing to a group of believers who he has not had direct contact with, but who he is connected with two. Epaphras, one of his companions, one of his mates, one of his running mates, planted, led the church, and they were dealing with some heresy. They were dealing with some stuff, and so Paul lays out some really, really, really solid theology. He, st- tells, he points, in order to deal with heresy, he doesn't address the heresy. He points them to Jesus. He points them to Jesus being supreme And Jesus being sufficient in all things. So often we can be, it's so easy for us to run around going, pointing at the darkness, saying how bad the darkness is, when actually all we could be doing is just turning on the light. This point, Colossians 3, is the point of pivot in the book. It's when he moves from from deep theological truths into practical living. In Romans and Ephesians, it's the therefore phrase. And in Colossians, he says, since then you have been raised with Christ. The New Living Translation says, since you have a new life in Christ, now start to live like this. In other words, because of all that has come before, because you have a new life in Christ, because you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because he is supreme in all things and is sufficient in all things, start to live differently. Start to think differently. The fruit of Jesus in our lives should be a new, differently lived life. And guess what? That's the kind of life we want to look back on in 2023, 20, and say, you in me. So, Paul here is talking to a group of believers. Paul is talking to a group of believers. The yous are plural. It's so easy for us in our modern individualistic culture to read the yous as me's when actually it's yella. Check it out in your Afrikaans translation. It says, "Yella, (laughs) You. In other words, we have a new life in Jesus. We are to keep our sights, keep our hearts on the things above. We are supposed to be living it up. Together, A one-person party is not a party. Wait, let that sink in a little. A one-person party is not a party. You are not a one-man wolf pack, despite what Alan says. We were never meant to live this Christian life alone. Our walk with Jesus is one of being with others, walking together into all that God has for us. Genesis 2 verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. This is the first time that God says that something is not good was when man was alone. He creates all throughout creation, every moment, every day. He's like, it is good, good, good. It, it's, it is so good. Except when man is alone. Jesus, the God incarnate, the one who is all God, walking on earth, 100% God, 100% man. Did he do it alone? <laughs> no. No. He walked with others. He had 12 around him. He had a crowd. There was a crowd that followed, but there was 12, and there were three. Even when he sends out the 72 in Luke 10, we see he doesn't send them out alone. He sends them out in twos. The only time that I can find that Jesus sends anyone out by themselves Was when he sent Judas to betray him. Hmm. Together matters. Together matters. And together is God's way. And it's different. Sin separates, but Jesus unites. He brings together, He reconciles. We have to live, we have to swim upstream in this. We have to have our source in heaven if our new lives are going to look different. This new life that we already have in Christ. We have to get a revelation, a fresh understanding of togetherness if we are going to be living it up. The light has to come on for us. Speaking of light, I don't know if you've noticed, there's a sign over there. It says, living it up in big, bold, bright light. It kind of looks like, I mean, if you've walked around on this earth for a little bit, you might, you might see that, that light, that kind of light, maybe at a bar, maybe at a nightclub. And it speaks of the party that we can have when we live fully for Jesus. It's a party, it is. We're living it up, woo! Yeah. But it also speaks of togetherness because a one-person party is still not a party. So I've I've read the Bible and I've looked through it for parties and uh, there are a couple, most of them, are dinner parties. Most of them are around food. Most of them are celebrations. There are festivals and things. I don't think they had dance parties back in the day. Maybe they did with those weird instruments. Donk, ding, donk, donk, donk. That's my jam. Tough crowd. But we mostly see dinner parties happening in the Bible. We mostly see people gathering around, celebrating around food. And in fact, when we read the Bible, the dinner party that we are looking forward to is the, la- the lamb's wedding feast, the wedding feast of the lamb in Revelation. That's why we're, we're all being invited into this incredible dinner party. We look forward to that. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. He protects us. He looks after us. He, he's with us. And guess what? He creates a banquet for us. All the foodies are like, yeah, yeah in the presence of my enemies. When Jesus institutes the new covenant, it was not in the garden. It wasn't even on the mountain. It was at a dinner party. It was around the table. He was celebrating the Passover festival. There's one dinner party that I'd like to focus on And that is uh, in Matthew 9, verse 9 to 13. This is when Matthew is being called. (laughs) As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? I always read that as like a mean girl. they like mean girls, these Pharisees. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn what the meaning of this, the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. The scripture he refers to is Hosea 6, verse 6. It says, I want you to show love, not offer sacrifices. This is God speaking to us. I want you to know me more than I want burnt offerings. What we think we're giving up for Jesus Pales in compared in comparison to actually walking with him and having a relationship with him. He wants us to know him. Okay, so what does this new life of togetherness look like? It looks like three things: church, community, and including others. This new life. In Christ of togetherness looks like church, community, and being with others. Including others, sorry. I mean, you have to be with them if you want to include them, so it's not wrong. <laughs> you're, you're immune to my jokes this morning. <sighs> Lord, help me. Help them, Lord. Church, we need a revelation and understanding of church. We need a revelation of church. The lights need to go on for us. The bride, the living stone, the stones. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We stand on the shoulders of giants. We are disciples who disciple so that the disciples that we've discipled can disciple. We grow in our gifts as we encourage others to walk and grow in theirs. Dudley Daniel said this, It is more important what you get saved into than what you got saved out of. And too often, we so glorify the past. The past gets like this misty, It used to be so good. We forget the glory of what we are a part of now. The church is glorious. 1 Peter 2, verse 4 to 5. Peter is speaking about Jesus. He says, As you come to Him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are living stones. So I want you to pick a stone. We have stones on either side. I want you to pick a stone. Don't pick a brick, pick a stone. Pick a stone right now. Look, look at the wall. Find a stone. Pick one out. One stone. Focus on that one stone. Have you got the stone? Okay, that is your stone. That is your stone. You see how it is not square? It is differently shaped. It is differently shaped from those around it. And yet it fits in. It has a place. It has been chiseled, it has been shaped, it has been molded for a purpose. That purpose is to be connected to the stones that are below it, the stones that are on the side, and the stones that are above it. Now that is you. You are that stone. God has uniquely shaped you, molded you, given you gifts, talents, and abilities, and a destiny to walk in. But guess what is different? to all the other stones. It's different from everyone else here. And yet he has still called you to be a stone, a living stone in the holy building that is the church. So here's what I want you to do. Every single time you are in this building, I want you to find your stone. Find it. Remember that you are called that you are chosen, that God has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for you, and it's not to be by yourself, to be the best stone you can be. No, it is to be connected, to fill a purpose, to stand on the shoulders of the giants that have come before you, but to hold up the next generation, to hold up those who come after you. Remember your stone. Pick out your stone. See, I believe the church should be multi everything. Multicultural, multi class, multilingual, multinational, multi age, multi racial. It's only then that we actually start to look like heaven. And when people come in, they are in awe because it's what, what even brings these people together? How? How is this group of people? join together, well, it's a work of the Spirit, God is in this place. We are not a sports club. We are not an activities fair. This is not something that we gather to do something, an activity or something, an interest. We are the church. If church is who we are and what we are called to, then community is how we need to live this thing out. It's how we walk together. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. A New Living Translation says, so one friend sharpens another. How does that happen? It doesn't happen sitting in the same room. I've tried it. I've put my knives in the same drawer and I've let them stay there for a long time. They have not gotten sharper. Just because you are in the same room doesn't mean you're walking in community. We need to be walking in community with one another so that we can sharpen one another, so that we can chisel one another, so that we can help mold and shape one another into who God has called us to be. You see, here in this place, we get close. We walk relationally. We care. We look after one another. We encourage and draw out the best in one another. We help to mold and shape one another into all that Jesus wants us to be. We are open and vulnerable with one another. We are courageous enough to be vulnerable. We take off the filters and don't just show everyone our highlights. We deal with disagreements. We don't write people off. We show grace and kindness and walk redemptively, knowing that we are all on a journey. Community is hard work, but it is the work that God has called us to. There are counted, but I'm going to say countless, one another's in the Bible. Why would the body of Christ, those who love Jesus and who are just called by Him, why would they need to love one another? Well, because there will come a time (laughs) when the person sitting next to you, the person opposite you, doesn't acknowledge you in Christa. And you will be tempted to grab a fence and take it. But guess what? The Bible doesn't call us to take offense with one another, the Bible calls us to love one another. It's often the closest people that hurt us the most. We know this, this is our cultural mantra. And yet when it comes to church and we get close and then someone hurts us and we're like, oh, oh, Lord, I just can't be with those people. I can be with you, Jesus, but I can't be with those people. No, no, that's sharpening. Do you think sharpening is easy? Do you think chiseling is easy? Do you think the stone that gets chiseled isn't hurt? I mean, yes, technically no feelings, but like you, under, you, you can picture it. Ouch. Ooh. Oh. Oh. Mm. Mm. That's how we need to walk in loving kindness, having grace for one another knowing that we are all on a journey. God has not called you to be the same. He has called you like Matthew. He didn't call him to be the tax collector among the disciples. <laughs> With us. You're right out there. Fantastic. Fantastic. Church, community, and including others. We really have to do some hard work this year. Living it up. You thought it would be a party, and it will be, but it's going to be some hard work. Because our whole world is saturated with individualism. Our whole world is, and our city is definitely saturated with individualism, and yet we are called to live out our faith walk, our faith life together, which means we need to think differently, we need to see differently, which is exactly what the Scripture says we need to do. We need to have our source in heaven so that we can see differently, so that we can think differently. And that means that we need to be including others. Often, and more often than not, Jesus included Matthew and his friends, the party that we read about. Jesus hung out with sinners. Who who are you hanging out with? Who are we hanging out with? Wouldn't this place feel, wouldn't Venture Church, this place, feel different if we had the same kind of prophetic insight that Jesus had, seeing who others could be, and not only through our cultural biases and our filters? Lord, help us. Someone saw something in us. Lord, give us those eyes to see all that someone else could be in your kingdom. So Maureen's word was so good about the work that he started in us. He'll bring to completion. We need to know that God is going to complete it with us, but we also need to see others. Because it's not just... I, I love you guys. What if we included and invited others? What if we included and invited our friends, co-workers, our neighbors to community gatherings, to dinners, to brides, to to church, to connect group? Oh, no, that's not for them. They're not like that. Well, never say someone's no for them, but also trust that God would work in their lives. See, he does the work, right? We don't do the work. We sow the seeds. He does the work. He does the growing. So what's wrong with an invite? What's wrong with including someone? Hey, yeah, we're watching the F1. It's starting soon. Why don't you come around? Cool, yeah, can I bring a beer? <laughs> yeah, sure, cool. Come on. Let's hang out. Let's connect. See, when I, as, I, as I've read the, the Gospels, I don't see that the disciples were Christians, and then they were called by Jesus. What I see is people who were called by Jesus, who went on a journey of faith with him, and as he revealed himself to them, they started to believe. Too often we think, oh no, they're not Christian, they won't come to this. But Jesus called the disciples who didn't believe into, and walked with them into a place where they did believe. And do you know what Christian means? Little Christ, little Jesus. How should we walk? Well, like Jesus, we should be including others in our lives, showing them Jesus, walking with them so that they get to the point where they believe. don't say people's no for them. If God has put them on your heart, invite them, include them, connect with them, phone them. I heard a story of, um, yesterday of a guy in the Ukraine, there's a missions organization they work out, there. they do a whole bunch of outreaches and things. And the one guy connected with another guy who, ended up, who was living in another city. And every other day, he would just call this guy, and he'd just call and just chat, and they'd talk about life, and, you know, things would come up about faith, because that's just part of the guy who was phoning's life. And that, after six months, the guy, I think, became a Christian or moved to the city and started joining them and, and is now in a totally different place just because someone put in the effort, relational effort, to walk with him. What if that's our legacy? What if that is our legacy? They were such a good friend. They showed me Jesus. They became a good friend and showed me Jesus. What if load shedding was not just an inconvenience, but an opportunity for connection? What if we're not just sitting trying to get through our two hours? What if instead it's like, hey, I got no power, what? Do you, who's got power? Oh, you got power, awesome. I'll bring the potatoes, I'll be around at six. What if it was like that? What if that was one of the marks of our community? We haven't let load shedding stop us from meeting on a Sunday. And yet, we are called to be living stones and royal priesthood, and we're supposed to be living this thing out, right? And yet, an example has been set on a Sunday. So let's do this in our everyday life. Let's connect, let's include others. Another 15 minutes. Let's be believers who love His church who walk closely with His people and who include others whenever we can. Let's be living it up together this year. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 2 in the message says, if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with everything that's right in front of you. It's so easy for our eyes to be on the things right in front of us. That's why we need to look up. That's why we need our our hearts, our minds, our sights need to be on things above. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. So to end, which is another way for conclusion, <laughs> see, <laughs> already I've it. prolonged it, as we land. <laughs> when during our pre, pre-vision prayer, uh, when we were fasting and praying, there was a thought that dropped in my heart, and that was the, the, the quote from one of the famous quotes from the- uh, Franklin Oh, it's no, it's not Franklin Roosevelt. It's Theodore Roosevelt. Theodore Franklin Roosevelt, I don't know. From Roosevelt. <laughs> and it was about daring. And uh, This is a day. This is a dangerous thing. Francis was talking about dangerous grace last week. This is something that's it's exciting. It's but it, it things need to change. Things need a and it's a challenge. It really is a challenge. Everything in our world, everything up until now has said we live a certain way, and now, whoa, flip Jesus, we need your help to live differently, to think differently, to orientate our lives differently. So I wonder if you could stand, if you could stand with me and just close your eyes, just for just because that's what we do just for lack of distraction. I'm just going to read this quote. I trust that God would start to stir something in you today this year, stir something in you to step out this year, stir something in you to to live it up differently this year. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who actually is in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who actually strives to do the deeds." who knows great enthusiasm, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of achievement and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat." So, Lord, right now, we come to you as Venture Church, and we ask that you would stir us, you would fire us up, you would do a work in us by your Spirit so that we would not be those timid souls, so that we would dare, so that we would step out, so that we would do and not criticize. God, help us to be the ones who dare greatly For your kingdom. I thank you, Jesus, that you've called us to this. I thank you that you have not called us to this alone, but you've called us to this, called us to this together. So, God, I pray that you would help our togetherness. God, I pray that you would break down walls, that you would soften our hearts. God, that you would give us opportunity to walk with one another. God, that we would truly walk in community, that we would truly represent your glorious church. And God, that you would give us eyes to see those who don't yet know you and to see the destiny that you have on them. Give us the love, give us the patience, give us the grace to walk with them just like you have walked with us. We thank you that you have called us to this. We thank you that you're good. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. We would love to know how this message spoke to you. Please connect with us through our website www.venturechurch.co.za or through our various social channels.